Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, Spitzel becoming Sticker. I'm Nick Houghton of 40%German.com and I'm joined by my co-host Simon. Where's my bonus public holiday, Maddox? How are you, Simon? I'm alright, I'm alright. I'm a little bit upset um, because I didn't get a bonus public holiday. And obviously you've been flouting, showing off all over social media, telling the world about your lovely special bank holiday that only exists in the city of Augsburg. Yeah, we've got like a little Augsburg uh, religious festival. So yeah, we enjoyed that. It was the uh, Friedensfest, which is the high peace festival celebrated in Augsburg since the 17th century, no less, Mm -hmm. on August the 8th. So yeah, this might just annoy you a little bit more, but um, I also get next Monday off as well. (laughs) Yeah, I I get next Monday off, so I'm okay with that. I want the bonus ones. Move to Augsburg, it would make my life a hell of a lot easier. It would be convenient for you, that's for sure. Uh, But I'm pretty happy here in the suburbs of Nuremberg. I mean, in fairness, I needed it. I really needed it. I'm in the exam. Prüfungswoche, or is it Prüfungsmonat, it feels like. So Mm -hmm. uh, I really needed a uh, a break after five days of invigilating at the university. Yeah, invigilating is no fun. That's uh, a pretty boring experience. Well, it's just, it's the same conversations over and over again. Student comes in, you say the same stuff, don't you? It's not really having any deep and meaningful conversations. And then you ask Mm -hmm. a lot about grammar. So it just can be a little bit monotonous oh so these are like interview exams these are like discussion the mundlichprüfung is what it ah, is so yeah. it's the oral examination ah. indeed so yeah they suck they're, they're tiring as well when you do how many are you doing in a day i think the max is somewhere between 12 and 15 i think we got that's through. a lot yeah yeah but the students are good and especially if you get a good good uh, hot streak of a couple of students who are doing well then that can definitely brighten up your day so it's not been the worst, but equally not the best. Mm. So I needed that extra holiday, as I will need next Monday's public holiday, which I can't remember what is it. What's it for? Is it Maria Himmelfart? It's the Assumption of Mary, Maria Himmelfart. There you yeah. go. Did I ever tell you about how I'm the son of a preacher man? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you're going you're to sing the song. <laughs> no, but just so you know, and the listener knows, as I record this podcast, it will be on loop in my head. Uh, so every time I'm talking, just remember that's what's happening. It's about defloration, isn't it? It's, it's not really enough. It's a little bit yeah. risque. It's about literally the son of a preacher man dating one of the preacher man's parishioner's daughters mm. and going into the garden. Apparently, that was his calling card. Anyway, it's definitely not a euphemism. <laughs> All I can say is I was not that successful at, at that age. Um, so, <laughs> turns out, turns out the song preacher man is much more attractive than the son of an actual preacher man. So. <laughs> we all learned something tell you what else was not attractive this weekend what's that i went to the opening game of augsburg's bundesliga campaign and it was ugly to say the least (laughs) everything around the football was great the food had some nice beers then i watched 90 minutes of dirge and then i left (laughs) and as i left i got a can of bitburger and i'd had a few beers yeah. yeah that really that was really the one that i should not have drank but yeah, it was not a good. Augsburg lost four nil, conceding two goals in as many minutes. I think in the in the second half, I missed the first goal because I was looking at my phone to see who the subs were, and I looked up and <laughs> Freiburg had scored. <laughs> and I was like, oh well. But I'd, I'd like to say the Augsburg fans took it in good humour. I'm not sure they were particularly expecting much either. I mean, the season's just started. I need to I need some time to get truly depressed by the state of affairs. But yeah, I mean, obviously it's cool that you were there for the for the opening day of the Bundesliga. Mm. Be an ultra in no time if you keep going to the Augsburg games. I think they just let me in at this point. Yeah. It seems like they were pretty easy going. What I would say is part of it was motivated by a tweet by a friend of the podcast, Derek Ray, who uh, had actually predicted that Augsburg are going to get relegated this season. Yeah. And I sent him a spicy tweet saying, he's breaking my heart. And then I watched the game and I was like, oh, you know, you know that Derek Ray? <laughs> Knows a bit about football, he does. So I didn't reply to his tweet because I was. I'm still hurting. Maybe I'll reply to it next week. But yeah, the man knows his footballs. So yeah, I guess it's going to be a season of torment for Augsburg. I've got a deal with the guy I went to the football with that if they have ten points by Christmas, we might go to another game. That's the deal. We're going to get ten points, and then we're going to go again. If they get ten points, we'll go. 
and then we'll keep going every 10 points until safety so uh, 10 points is, is relatively realistic it's quite a modest amount uh, it's not that many you get all the free weekends you can when you're a, a married parent of one so any opportunity to get out of the house and drink beer <laughs> there's hoffenheim on the 27th that, yeah. that could be a win maybe mm, not convinced yeah. but it wasn't just the bundesliga that was kicking off this weekend apparently there was other football happening around germany yeah it's, it's still in the friendly period um but yeah I mean, I, i've mentioned before on the show that uh, my wife started playing football a couple of years ago having never ever played a team sport and she joined a, a women's club in the lowest league that exists uh, here in bayern and then they started a new club and they were the first women's team of this club rt franconia and they played last season with a new coach and it's definitely been on an upward track mm. but they hadn't won any games it's been a lesson in the in the pain of football <laughs> for them but on sunday in the morning they had a game a friendly game against uh, katzwang which is our local team i, I cycled uh, to the game which is always nice and yeah they won they won one nil in Hurrah. the 92nd minute with literally the last kick of the game love it and uh, it was it was so exciting and obviously I've watched quite a few games of them I am one of the regulars but I didn't realize how excited I was going to be when they won before I knew it my hands were like nearly dislocating out of their sockets I threw them to the sky uh, <laughs> watching the striker smash the goal into the back of the net and it was wonderful to see. Like they didn't really know <laughs> how to celebrate this. Like it was all so instinctual. They definitely weren't prepared to win. So it was it was lovely. Really, really good. Uh, a lot of a lot of fun on a Sunday morning uh, in Franconia. So yeah, Hesse and Glufunsch Damen. So it's it's still AFC um, Franconia. RT Foul. RT Foul Franconia. So that's the official. Regional team of the podcast. That is the the team that we've watched the most <laughs> as a podcast. Yeah, so it's RTV Axen Hundred Drei und Zipsik EV, and yeah, they're, they're down in um, yeah Sudwest Park uh, of Nuremberg. So if you are a girl who wants to play football in the Nuremberg area, yeah, get in touch. We'll send you the contact deets of RTV, and you can play with my wife. It's good that they got a win. Somebody got a win this weekend. Yeah. That's what I needed. That I needed to know that there was somebody winning out there, but uh, it wasn't the the fans or the players of Augsburg. But if I'd only travelled a little bit further up the road, I'd be exactly. enjoying some victory feels as well. There wasn't any Bitburger on sale at the Catsman place either. <laughs> they they sell the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, I got the can of Bitburger from a guy who was just vending on the side of the street, so I wasn't expecting much. I mean, it could have been worse. It could have been the four like that brand that is sold uh, in all petrol stations across the country. Yeah, it's in not different good. colours. I would have actually. Yeah. I would have drank anything. I was. I was in the three pint zone of like I need another mm. beer, but I'm walking to a stadium. This seems like a logical thing to do. Oh, I've made a terrible decision, and now I've got a can of piss to drink. So, and then I had to drink it really quickly because the the stadium just came out of nowhere. So, as stadiums tend to, you know. <laughs> One minute I was all alone, and the next minute I was being uh, accosted by a giant football stadium <laughs> yeah maybe i'll bring my own beer next time we'll see um yeah so we've had a opening weekend of football we've had some public holiday chat but there's one very important other thing that we need to cover a new tattoo simon yeah 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 i had some uh, some new ink done uh yesterday a nice 10 a.m monday morning tattoo session and, and what you can see, what we can see, listener, what the producer and I can see is Simon has got the insane clown posse uh, facial uh, makeup tattooed on his face. Yeah. It's an extraordinary choice, listener, uh, that, that Simon has made. But I'm glad he's I'm glad he's sticking to his guns. He's sticking up for the uh, the old uh, insane clown posse. The ICP. He's gonna yeah. he's gonna head off to uh, what's the name of the carnival that the insane clown posse have? The Juggalos. Uh, I don't know. The Festival of the Juggalos or whatever. Yeah, he's yeah, that's yeah. that's where he's going. Or, or my Juggalos and Juggalettes. Uh, we are we're ready. Like we're going to talk about the police later on. <laughs> and I just figured this is one of the best ways to get more interactions with the police uh i haven't been stopped nearly enough and so i thought i had my face tattooed in the way of uh the icp yeah it's a good it's look certainly gonna up, up my interaction with the cops no simon really um, what what did you get I, I i got an american traditional uh style bird on my leg yeah a nice addition to the collection by a really really cool dude 
if you're in the known Bulgaria and want a traditional style tattoo, uh, I can definitely recommend Lorenzini Tattoo Studio. What makes it traditional style? So traditional, obviously you have two types of traditional, really. You have like the British traditional, which would have started with the Merchant Navy, mm -hmm. uh, primarily in like the Bristol area was definitely a hotbed for it. Lots of anchors, I'm guessing. Lots of anchors, like pinups, but obviously the, the ability to tattoo and find detail at that point was pretty limited, so there wasn't a huge amount of detail. And then you have American traditional, uh, where obviously the, the technology was a bit more developed at that point, but it is traditional iconography like tattoos, lighthouses, eagles, swallows, stars, all the mm. kind of stuff that you'd normally see. And yeah, so it's, it's not a strict traditional, it's sort of in the direction of what we would call neo-traditional, but it's not full neo-traditional. So yeah, for anyone that doesn't know anything about tattoos, it's a bird. <laughs> for those who do, it's sort of a quasi-neo-traditional bird on my calf. And yeah, really cool dude, I'd say. A nice Brazilian fella. And he played, when I arrived, he was playing MF Doom. Oh. And I was like, okay, I can be friends with this guy. This is my new artist. Like, if I'd been there, I'd be like, Simon's making a new friend today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, did, I, did, I did try quite hard to make him like me. And um, once the MF Doom and uh, all the sort of old school hip hop, then like Rancid kicked on and it was like an hour of Rancid. And so we spoke about punk rock and all that good stuff. So literally he has exactly the same taste in music as me. And I'm hoping that one day he'll like me enough that I can get a discount because <laughs> he's my new artist. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not that I'm concerned or anything, but you aren't planning on maybe doing a tattoo podcast with me. I, I would, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> if I can get a discount, if I get a discount on tattoos, I'm, I'm happy to get it. I'll get one done live. You'd sell me out for a goddamn tattoo discount. <laughs> <laughs> you podcast whore. <laughs> Yeah, while my heart is breaking, we may as well let the listener in on a, on a great new idea coming straight from the mind of Mr. Maddox here. Well, I mean, yeah, calling it a great idea out of the blocks is probably a little bit ambitious at this point. I think it is. I think we need a boost. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a good idea. And I want everyone to engage with it. That's my position on it. Engagement would be fantastic, that's for sure. But we better tell them what the idea is. <laughs> the idea is fist fight. Uh, no, the idea is we have already published, if you're listening to us now, it's already live, uh, a survey for our listeners. Obviously, we are here at episode 87. That is approximately about 100 hours of material, maybe just over 100 hours. And it's probably a good time to be like, tell us what you think. Um, so we put together a survey that hopefully will get to the bottom of your experience with the show what you think about it, what you think we could do better, um, what you want to hear more of in the future. Um, because, yeah, Nick and I operate in our little bubble with our producer, and it's possible that we're missing something, and you can point us in the right direction. And it's also really good for us to get a better idea of who's listening. We're not asking for your name and home address, so don't worry. Um, but knowing where you're from, how you've come across our podcast and what you feel about it, would be really really helpful so you can find the link for it at our twitter uh, at decades from home uh, and it will be our pinned tweets and we're going to run it for about a month uh, so you have some time but if you could give us some of your feedback we'd really really appreciate it i know some of you have been really generous and have given us star ratings and, mm -hmm. and written reviews and tweeted stuff but i would encourage anyone who's listening anyone who's an active listener who enjoys the show just to dive into the survey you can skip any of the questions obviously we're not mm -hmm. we're not trying to hive your data or anything like that we just really want to know what you think what things you think we can improve we're about to enter i think our third year of podcasting and it's yeah. yeah i mean we're not going anywhere we're putting out shows every week and we just want to know how we can make them better what your input is and the listeners have had a lot of input on a lot of different stuff already through twitter so it's just a more of a formalized concept so yeah give us a shout let us know what you think and follow the link on the uh, pinned tweet on the decades from home twitter account yes yeah, it's, it's all nice just push a couple of buttons and then we get loads of feedback like you don't have to write any essays there is even a picture round so that's exciting. Oh, yeah, there is. Enjoy the picture round. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. An exciting bonus picture round. Ooh. There's some lovely questions in there, for sure. Mm -hmm. There's, there's some, some that we definitely want some answers to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you'll, you'll find out when you do the survey. Anyway, <laughs> check it out when you get a chance. Uh, as well as it being Hohes Friedensfest, is that right? Hohes Friedensfest? I believe that's what it's called. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's not only is it peace festival in the city of Augsburg, it's also a peace festival in the in the house of Houghton, uh, because it was also your wedding anniversary on, yeah, that, on that special day. So that's good to know. As long as you're living in the city of Augsburg, <laughs> you're always going to get your anniversary off. Yeah, I mean, the 8th is is the wedding day, 8th of the 8th. It's an easy date to remember, so I mm-hmm. can't hurt that much. But uh, I, it was, uh, and it's actually our 8-year anniversary, so 888. Nice. Wow. Yeah, only a couple of more years, and then we're going to have to have a, a redux wedding party. <laughs> but is that the plan? Ten year renew yeah, the vows? And so. and no, not renew yeah, the vows. Just get have a massive no. piss up, invite all the people okay. we like, and just it's an excuse to get everybody we like in one place. And the producer, of course. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, you also get to see who who's faded out in the last ten years. Yeah, exactly. Who's, who's gained a bit too much weight? Who's, who's got really ugly kids? That sort of stuff. It's important. Is <laughs> that a special round of one of these <laughs> yeah, German wedding exactly. games? Like, vote for the ugliest child at the party. <laughs> Just scar some poor child. <laughs> I've bollocked up my anniversary last year because foolishly ignored all my wife's suggestions for a birthday and just bought her flowers on a birthday and she mm-hmm. rightly reacted with a like, what, what the hell is this shit and then <laughs> and then inadvertently didn't buy her anything for our anniversary so i did have some making up to do in fairness she didn't buy me anything for my anniversary but apparently it doesn't work like that and i've been um re-educated shall we say uh, on that on that front <laughs> This is something that I, and this is something that I've had a problem with before with buying flowers in shops. And I tweeted that out yesterday and some people were like, oh, I didn't know it was so hard to buy flowers in Bavaria. And it's not like it's so hard to find shops. First and foremost, it's hard to find like one that's open on normal hours because mm-hmm. sometimes Mondays and Wednesdays are days where you just certain services aren't provided. Sometimes it's hairdressers, sometimes it's flower shops. The other thing is something you've talked about before that where you have a shop inside like an apartment complex or the mm-hmm. shop. So when you look at it on Google, it looks like you're just looking at someone's house or someone's yeah. apartment and you can't see a shop. And so you're like, is that like a mail order thing or is it, is it actually a shop? And I'm going to turn up there and there's going to be nothing. So it kind of puts you on uh, off a little bit, but also because Google isn't updated by a lot of these places. So they have uh, like open at eight and they're actually closed or something like that. So you yeah. can't get the honest information. So I did a couple of failed attempts to purchase flowers. One shop I went into and there was no real flowers. And I was like, is this like a, a shop or is it like, is it where I get murdered? And uh, I was looking <laughs> around and the woman was like, oh, um, these are all the flowers we've got. I'm going on holiday tomorrow. Oh, okay. I was like, why did you open on Monday? Why didn't you just stay closed? Like, <laughs> it's crazy what you're doing, but fair enough. And like two people in the shop heard me ask this and everyone just went, oh, okay, and everyone left the shop. <laughs> like, no oh. one but like three people, including me, just left and uh, shrugging. I finally, I did find a, an amazing flower shop. It's got its own sort of garden center attached to it where they grow the flowers and it's all grown on okay. site and they're all really lovely and I got some nice... Uh, Sun and Bloomin uh, brought them back mm-hmm. from my wife and she was very pleased because she didn't think I was going to buy her flowers. That's good. Well, it's good that you bought them. It's not good that she thought you weren't going to buy her flowers. Uh, right. Weirdly, I've, this setup has taken 12 months. I forgot last year, so she just expected nothing. And then I get all those brownie points this year. So actually, it was a plan of mine that I didn't know I was putting into effect until <laughs> the moment I handed over the flowers and realized what the reaction was so so if you do no flowers next year then you have a new low and then for the 10 year you can really hit the highest of highs i'm gonna give her some flowers but as i hand them over i'm just gonna set them on fire (laughs) 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 and it'll be so shocking that when i don't do it next year she'll be like oh i'm really glad you didn't set my flowers on fire i think if you make a speech like my heart burns for you (laughs) i think i think you can you can make it work <laughs> my heart burns for you everyone likes magic i think that's that's bordering on it uh, but i think it's, it's really interesting you mentioned that yeah this is definitely an industry where like websites just do not exist for this whole area of shops and google listings are not to be trusted whatsoever and um, one other thing that i absolutely love about flower shops is that a lot of them are called bloomin Eck or mm-hmm. bloomin ecker uh, because that means flower corner. So yeah. if there's a corner shop, they'll call it Blumenecker. Um, but of course, for, for us British, Blumenec, um is a pretty mild way of saying, uh, oh my God. Uh, and so that always fills my heart with a little bit of joy whenever I see a, a flower shop called Blumenec. I hadn't put that together at all. How have I missed that? 
that obvious. It's, 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 the, it's the little things of being an immigrant. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So with the idea of wedding anniversaries and love <laughs> on my mind, I went in search of some Germanic knowledge to share with the podcast. So I found three quotes mm-hmm. on the concept of marriage and love. I'm going to mm-hmm. share them with you, Simon. Simon doesn't know what these quotes are. Uh, and uh, yeah, just have your comment on them and we'll have a little chat about the nature of German love because I think these three mm. comments reveal a lot about how how Germans maybe perceive marriage and certainly long-term marriage. So the first okay. one is from, uh, yeah, friend of the podcast, Friedrich Nietzsche. So Big friend of the show, loves us. Simon's favorite <laughs> philosopher. And he comes in with a, with a beautiful quote. And that quote is, Eine gute Ehe, Beruht auf dem Talent zu Freundschaft, which means mm-hmm. a good marriage is based on the talent for friendship, which I think, yeah, I'd say that, although not permanently, because you can't always be friends with your with your partner, because you know there's always something that's fucking going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's more about not the talent for friendship; it's the talent for remaining friends, even when your husband's accidentally setting the garden on fire. <laughs> That'd be my thought. What do you think, Simon? Friendship in marriage, is it possible? Can you be friends with your wife? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's kind of essential. <laughs> yeah, obviously, it's, it's, it's very public how much I care for you as a friend, Nick, but oh. my wife is, is smashing you in the standings. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, she's absolutely my best friend. Um, You're trying to break my heart today, aren't you? This is the plan. This yeah. is the podcast where you make me cry at the end. <laughs> <laughs> You moved away, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, here it goes. Here it goes. I was hearing this. It's all coming out now. It's a therapy stunder. Um, I mean, obviously, friendship is, is contingent on lots of things. And I think shared interest between like your friend friends, like your normal everyday friends, is a key thing. And I don't think that's necessarily the case with husband and wife. I think in many ways it's good if you have different interests. Uh-huh. Um if my wife wanted to play computer games with me every evening, like I'm sure I'd find it cool for a week. But after that, I'd be like, this is something that I like to do sort of to, to calm down on my own. I, I don't need this to be a competitive event between the two of us. Um, but I think the the idea of friendship as well is, I think this is going to, I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud. Laughter is a really important thing. No? Oh. And yeah, my wife makes me laugh every single day uh she is an absolute joker uh and a ray of sunshine so i think yeah i think laughter uh and friendship i think is a, is a key thing but you know me i love nietzsche and i'm not going to disagree with the man he's onto something i mean my wife laughs at me a lot so i mean that's that's the same right that counts that definitely counts yeah pointing in my face and going ha, ha! <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's how we have our stable marriage Okay, (laughs) next quote is from a rather sensitive poet and novelist, Rainer Maria Rilke. And he comes in with quite an obscure quote. And we'll see again what Simon makes of this. Lieben ist leugten mit unseres schöpflichen Öle, which translates as, loving is shining with inexhaustible oils. Mm. That doesn't sound at all creepy when it translates it into English. I I read that and I was like, if I don't put that in the podcast, I'm wasting my time, right? Like, that's some pretty weird... The the Wikipedia page said he was described as mystical, and I was like, no fucking kidding, right? <laughs> like, like, come on. Well, I guess what he's saying is the idea that love is inexhaustible and is a, some kind of fuel that if we could only work out how to harness that fuel, we would be able to solve all of our climate problems. I mean, I, I think that's, that's a very nice interpretation. Uh my inclination is that he's talking about like our oils as some sort of like fluids and lubrications oh, no. a bit more it's Wait. a bit more nasty. Well he is a sexy early twentieth century poet, so let's he had a lot of torrid affairs. So I mean he could well be. It wouldn't surprise he's talking me. Talking about sex sweat, any. Uh, yeah. Should we move on? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Last and thankfully not as creepy and weird as the previous quote but not least, Ludwig Berner, who gave us this little gem. Liebe ist die gemeinsame Freude an der wechselseitigen Unvollkommenheit, which translates as, love is the shared joy of mutual imperfection. So, 
I think that's basically the motto of my marriage is, is my <laughs> wife pointing out our mutual imperfections. More mine, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> my mutual imperfections. No, no. Like, honestly, I think this is the basis of, of any good marriage is being able to, to some extent, ignore the dumb shit that your partner does. Or the annoying shit that your partner does, which maybe is less lyrical and and nice, <laughs> but I think it's a truism that you really you really get to know someone through a marriage. You see them so much that that you sort of you do have to maybe forget about the sort of snidey tone they get in your voice when you don't do the washing up properly, or the stupid idiotic stuff you do. When I don't know when I do anything, I'm basically talking about my marriage, but doing it in, a, in a, an entirely impossibly unrealistic metaphorical way. Do you agree? Right, you've got to sort of ignore the the stupid shit. I don't know. Like, I, nothing springing to mind of stuff that I would deliberately. If something becomes an issue, I kind of feel like it has to be. I don't. I don't want to like criticize it, but yeah, like make it open. I think is is key. There's a lot of time in my life, especially the time I've been with my wife, where she'll go, she'll know something isn't quite right. She'll be like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And my instinct as a British man is to be like, I'm fine. Yeah, of course. And, and I'll try my best. And then I haven't even realized that something is wrong, but she can sense it in the way that I'm behaving. And for a long time, in all my previous relationships before my wife, I would avoid confrontation at all costs. For me, an argument was like... The fact that an argument would taken place was a loss in itself, and I was really anti-conflict. I'm not pro-conflict now, but I've definitely, through my marriage with my wife, I've learned that you can't just let shit go if it's if it's a problem. You have to, as I say, not confront it, but try and come up with a constructive way to talk about it so that you aren't pissed off about some small thing that they do. I know that I'm a very imperfect being and i'm not the best husband there's ever been i try hard to be a good one i'm a man who snores i burp uh, i don't fart in front of my wife uh, i i do i do draw that line in, in the sand when it comes to being disgusting in front of her if i do something that annoys her i don't want her to hide it from me i want to be like this mm. is annoying me and can we come up with a way where it doesn't annoy me as much as it does now the one thing that she does that does upset doesn't upset me, but it annoys me sometimes. It doesn't annoy me. It just gets to me. She'll come home from work and she's been in an office environment and she's like been talking to people all day. And she comes and talks to me like I'm on the other side of the room when I'm like a meter away. Like she's got quite a loud, quite a booming voice when she's like projecting. We've now got to the point where I can just like touch her and then she knows that it's like you're not shouting at me, but it's really fucking loud and I'm right here. And yeah, I've got I've got sensitive ears, apparently. And so yeah, if I pretended that wasn't an issue for the last nearly ten years we've been together, like I would just every day I'd be like wincing on the inside, and that's not a happy way to start the evening together. So yeah. The detritus of work follows you into the house. And well, my wife's a teacher, so she comes in and will tend to talk to me like I'm a, a twelve year old. Which sometimes is helpful because I, I like to be pointed out going back a couple of minutes, I am a fucking idiot. So like that can be useful. Other times, not so much. But what I think I've found and what I've sort of come to realize is certainly since we've had the baby is those little things that would annoy you, you just have no time or energy to address. I, I've been permanently tired for the last two years, essentially lack of sleep you have to be really wary it's something that took me a really long time to get to grips with is that Mm -hmm. any argument you have no matter how stupid and asinine and small it might be can due to sleep deprivation turn into an almighty four-day row because it just because you're just tired you're just tired and you react in the wrong way you know thinking straight and so anything like from how you stack we've had rows that have lasted at least four days that would do initially with me complaining about the way she puts plates into the dishwasher and <laughs> like do i care about how she does that not really it's a big part of my life not really but in the sleep deprivation in that moment it was the most intensely annoying 
thing that had ever happened in my life and then I reacted badly and then my wife then reacted to that bad comment or snidey comment and then it just tumbles into something else and then into something else. And also something that you realize as well is when you don't want to argue, in fr- I don't want to argue in front of the baby, right? I don't want to argue in front of the kid. And she doesn't like it either. If we raise our voices, she starts raising her voice to get the okay. attention. So you've got to be really careful about that. But it means that you don't really address things. So something that was really annoying six weeks ago, then like you never have time to talk about it because eventually like when the baby goes to bed you're too tight to go right let's have an argument mm. now yeah. so then it happens again and again and again and then you sort of hit it and it comes a problem so i think in those moments this is what i'm thinking about it's like you just got to let it slide ultimately and actually because my wife's quite a stickler for getting things sort of right she often doesn't let it slide i think she's right in thinking that one it's a slippery slope for me like one day i'm leaving the tea bag in the sink the next day i'm in the basement off my face on ketamine dancing in my pants <laughs> so i understand the wariness there is an animal inside me <laughs> that can any moment could be unleashed i mean that is an established journey tea bags to ketamine in like it's 10 days i think it's a route yeah. that i've taken many many 10 days come on three and a half <laughs> with a little willpower maybe four but no, I think she's like a stickler for keeping things at a certain standard. And so maybe she's a bit more picky than I am. But at the same time, I don't really see that as necessarily a negative because a lot of the time it's stuff like tidy this up. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. It should be tidied up. So it'll be like small things. But yeah, sometimes you just have to let it slide. I mean, it's, it's very cliche to say like the marriages are, are work and you do have to put the work in to make them function in the way you want them to. Don't pay fucking minimum wage to the dinner. There are skills that you have to learn and it is based on, yeah. a lot of those are based on the person you've chosen to spend your life with. Um, and yeah, that, that can, of course, have its challenges. And of course, one of the other additional things we have in both of our marriages is that we've, we've married women from different cultures yeah. as well. And that's definitely, that adds a whole dimension because, of course, we are different people from different backgrounds and it's not always clear what those sort of buttons are that you're pressing because yeah our backgrounds our cultures our our histories are so different and so you got to learn about that kind of stuff as well Mm. so yeah that's i think where it comes back to the idea of friendship that that nietzsche mentioned in the first quote the better friends you are the easier it is to know about how someone's going to handle x y and z and how to be the best partner me and my wife we always talk about team maddox and that's very much a mentality that we have when it comes down to everything outside of our relationship. Like we're a team and that has to be our first priority is each other. Uh, and we'll always do what's best for the other person in all external things. And I think that's quite healthy because, yeah, it can be really divisive, uh, a, a, a marriage. You can be angry at someone and, yeah, four-day arguments. Like you're not always going to be on the same team in that kind of environment. So, yeah. Getting back to being friends, I think, is, is a really good way to to make that stuff work. Always better when you're friends. It is, yeah. So, at the top of the show, Nick hit us with our All Without Saying quote, our, our staple of the podcast. If you don't like it, give us feedback in our survey. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, this week it was uh, Spitzel bekommen Sticker. Uh, and those keen translators in the audience will know that means snitches get stitches. Uh, and that takes us to what's been a really interesting week on Twitter. I've followed for a while Polizei Mittelfranken, uh, my local police constabulary, because I think it's always good to know what the cops are up to and it's keep an eye on them. This week has obviously been a departmental push for social media engagement. On the weekend, there were 600 call-outs, I think, for the police, something like that, and 100 tweets. And it's quite weird. The language of police social media, I think, is pretty weird, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But the one that caught me, and I sent it straight to Nick, I was like, should we talk about this? They tweeted out, uh, our first event, uh, in Nuremberg had ein Vater Streit mit seiner Tochter. Nach dem Streit hat der Vater nun weißes Pulver in ein Schublade gefunden. Eine Streife schaut sich mal was näher an. In English, uh, in Nuremberg, a father and a daughter had a fight. After the fight, the father found a white powder in the drawer. A police car is going to have a closer look at the situation. And so this made me think, Nick, 
what would your daughter have to do when she's older for you to call the fucking cops on her? Like, how disgraceful is this? I don't know. You don't want to find white powder in your kid's drawer, but calling the cops on them? That's disgraceful, surely. It's a, it's a toughie, right? Because I think there's a lack of context to the tweet. You read the tweet on the face value of the tweet, it sounds like there was an argument between a father and a daughter, and then suddenly the father found a white powder in her drawer. And it's kind of like, what, is this like a setup or something? Like, is it, this, it makes it sound a bit like the father's sort of setting the daughter up in you some way. You think he planted it in her well, drawer? Well, that's how I read it when I read it, but there's not enough information okay. to all follow up, and I couldn't find an article for Love Nor Money that covered the story. Another thing that I thought about when I read this is my uh, period as a teenage hoodlum in Scotland, <laughs> which was many, many moons ago. But at one point, out of like three months of school, I was in school for three weeks or something. I basically was truant for a large portion of my, I guess, my GCSEs. And there was nothing anyone could do. Like nothing my mum would say would change. Like what would happen is my mum would go to work, my stepdad would go to work, the house would be empty. I'd go walk up to the bus stop, wait for the school bus to go past me and then walk back to the house and go back to bed or go hang out in someone else's house or something. And then there was no convincing us on any way, shape or form that I should do anything different and I couldn't see the logic of it. And it all eventually culminated in a day where uh, we drank cheap cider on like a Wednesday and started a fight with the local school. And that was when it got serious, right? And I was sort of scared straight, but not quite a brush with the police rather than an actual incident with the police. Okay. And uh, that was enough to sort of scare me straight. So part of me recollects that the fear of interaction with the police after you know you've done something wrong was quite beneficial, but it does feel like there's a trust issue here that's being kind of obliterated. I'm not sure if my mother had called the police whether it would have been the same impact. So I'm kind of leaning on the side of it's a bad thing. I'm guessing you would the same as well. Yeah, I think whatever the circumstances are, getting the police involved on what's a family matter at this point. I think obviously if you do find that your child is using drugs or what you assume are drugs, like this is just a white powder as far as we know from this tweet, like obviously that is a very, very, very alarming realisation and a moment where things have to be done. But for me, the last thing, well, maybe not the last thing, but one of the last things I would do is get the police involved mm. because obviously a drug conviction in Germany as a whole is, is going to affect the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. A drug conviction in Bavaria is a very, very different issue from a drug totally. conviction in Berlin. And like, it is very, very strict here, especially with class A drugs. And so, yeah, I think it's... The way that I interpreted this was the father, they had a fight and then he went through her stuff and then found this powder. He's like, all right, I'm going to call the cops. And by doing so, he's potentially ruined his daughter's chance at all sorts of things in her life. Fingers crossed, nothing comes of it and she is okay. But it seems like a learning experience has been turned up to a million. Uh -huh. And instead, he's done irrevocable damage to the relationship that they're going to have. Like, how could you get over having I don't think you a could. parent call the cops on you? Once you call the police, once the police get involved, it's out of your control. Mm -hmm. It's no longer a family matter. It's becoming like a, yeah. a crime. So I think you've got to be really careful. I think as well with drugs, I feel like our generation is maybe better placed to talk about drugs with children in a way, like as parents. I probably wouldn't freak out. My wife might if that same scenario occurred but we've had very different upbringings. And mm -hmm. I think I'd be less shocked. It's like that discussion we had about tattoos and my wife said, I'd be really upset if our daughter wanted to have a tattoo. And I said, I would give her more monies to make sure that the tattoo is the best tattoo she can get. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, if you say, don't get a tattoo, what will end up happening is they'll get a shit tattoo. There is yeah. that element within kids. And also it's about learning experience. So I'm not sure like calling the police is actually teaching them anything about how to deal with drugs how to deal with that lifestyle so much as it's punishing them for something that maybe could have been resolved in a different way but everyone's horses for courses right everyone's different yeah but the thing that they're going to learn the most is that their father's a fucking snitch and <laughs> like how are you going to share private things about yourself with your father when you know that if you tell him oh i did something naughty like i, I went out drinking and like 
stole a traffic cone. He's going to be like, right, I'm calling the ordnance Zamt. Don't need the police this time, but I'm still going to get you in trouble. Fuck that noise. Oh, I think it's yeah. really shit. I think you've got to be able to trust your parents, right? Oh, you'd hope so. Like it's, it's a pretty essential thing. But I mean, as as well as this story, I say there were a hundred tweets over this twelve-hour period in the weekend, and there's a lot of really like cute stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like a report of a naked guy in a fountain in a park, and it kind of makes you realise that. Yeah, I live in Nuremberg and it's a city that doesn't have a massive crime problem. It is a very, very safe place where the issues are drink driving, people smelling marijuana. Someone called the cops because they smell marijuana and the police were investigating that. Yeah, It's little, like, small town shit. And that's quite nice because I think if, like, the London Metropolitan Police did this and tweeted the stuff they dealt with on a weekend... It would be quite an alarming realisation that the area you lived in was not as safe as it might feel. And of course, this is a social media activity. They are trying to project a certain attitude. And that's what I think is really interesting with this, is the style of tweeting as well. And so, Nick, what do you think about this? Like Police trying to be like social media savvy and using this sort of like, oh, we'll go and have a look. Uh, attitude on their social media there's some some tweets that are quite earnest like updating about traffic issues or updating about issues on the roads and those kinds of things which are really useful but there is that there is like a snarky weird tone to it Mm -hmm. like this was the smell of burning in a residential building in nuremberg on site also the feuerwehr nuremberg it turns out that food burned in the apartment what should be cooked here at three in the morning remains a mystery to us and it's just like we don't need the comment bit and understand social media is tricky i think a lot of social media account managers think that like having a humorous bit is somehow showing personality makes a connection with your followers blah 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 but it's a fucking middle frank and pulitzer account Mm -hmm. people aren't looking for like hot takes they're looking for information from the police and i think they need to really maybe think about like do they need to be posting their comments because there's loads of stuff like that like there's loads of little cheeky asides that they're like yeah yeah oh someone's done this ha ha oh what were they thinking ah ha ha um i looked at two other accounts i looked at uh, pulitzer munchen and pulitzer Mm -hmm. berlin and Pulitzer Berlin probably has the best example where it's just like, here's a case that happened, here's an incident that yeah. happened, and it gives you a sense of what the stuff they're dealing with, plus like updates about what's happening. They also uh, have an international account, which is all in English. That's okay. quite a good feature as well. Mm-hmm. And I think considering Mittelfranken has some of the largest industrial concerns in the world based in those areas, they might want to consider mm-hmm. doing something similar, but who am I to tell the German police to have an English Twitter account. But the Berlin one just has like case by case. They have like a photograph of the report. So it has extra information in it along with the tweet. Uh, the München one, however, is, I think it's having some kind of crisis because <laughs> the, the München one just seems to be advert after advert for their media website where they post all their sort of news. And it's like every tweet is basically that interspersed with occasional police work and it just seems a little bit odd so that there isn't like a unified theory of how to do this but i do mm. think i'm not really going to the pulitzer twitter account for spicy hot takes i'm kind of going to know what's happening and that information yeah. takes precedent over some media managers kind of snark like this style works well for our show because there's yeah. other things for us to talk about because it is it's a sideways look at legal issues uh, and that's very much our lane but as you say, this should be an informative thing, ideally. Mm. Uh, and the lack of unity and direction and style. You want to take this stuff seriously. And when you get like snarky comments, it's like, well, okay, then I'm going to be snarky about this situation mm-hmm. um, and start screaming like ACAB and see how, how that goes down with their Twitter. <laughs> I don't imagine very well, mate. <laughs> no. If you ask everyone in Germany, like which police force is like the nastiest or like the most aggressive. The general response is the Bavarian. Um, they do have a bit of a reputation for being more heavy-handed than mm-hmm. others, especially when it comes to uh, like their riot squad. Yep, is very very famous in Germany for being more aggressive than necessary. And so I kind of feel that this Twitter is like, 
oh no, the, the Munich, the Bayern police were oh we're just we're just like you guys. Yeah, like, we, yeah. It's, it's trying to be cute. And yeah, I don't need my police to be cute. I need them to do their job and leave innocent people alone. It's important for transparency that the police do this kind of stuff. But you made a point before about the case numbers not matching the amount of tweets or mm. the cases that they were receiving per day didn't match the amount of tweets. I mean, what was that statistic you were you were saying before the show? In in 12 hours, there were 600 call-outs for the police uh, in Middle Franken and there were 100 tweets off those 600. So one in six were being publicly yeah reported on twitter we don't need to know about the sort of domestic calls like oh we're on the way and it's always like that seems to be Mm -hmm. the tweet is like we're on the way we're heading over we're going to check it out and i'm like if it's like a domestic we don't necessarily need to announce that if it's something to do with public safety then maybe that's something to announce but Mm. it does seem a bit like look we're doing our jobs look at us we're doing that like don't need to know about that necessarily unless you're giving us an insight into what it's like for the police there was one that was was talking about a police officer being headbutted and i was like that's kind of stuff that you don't want to know about but it's important like it's a real life situation police put themselves at risk it's important that the public know about that stuff and are aware of it but that is different from sort of jokey jokey ha 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 i think also they they use hashtags more than they should as well (laughs) so in in the original one about the the white powder yeah was hashtagged which makes perfect sense because it is a regional police force then farter father was hashtagged and it's like what (laughs) suddenly you've hashtagged father and suddenly you're finding out about someone grasping on their their daughter Mm -hmm. tochter daughter is also hashtagged Strite, fighting or argument is also pulver uh, is hashtag. So, I mean, there'll be a load of academic scientists on there being like, I want to learn about powder. And it's like, I don't want to learn about this. Uh, <laughs> and then we have the hashtag 12 hour Polizei Middlefranken hashtag for their uh, their marathon of tweets. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't want to find the, the police account through hashtags. I want to just locate it and, and use it if I need to. I said, I follow it because it's good for the show but if it wasn't for this podcast i wouldn't give a shit about the social media presence of Polizei middle franken i think it's about how you use it in some ways it's it's not very useful or necessary like again the police are human beings but their social media account doesn't need to be sort of presented in that way if you've got a video to show us or you've got maybe a policeman wants to do like a roll call account where they roll over every week fair enough learn about police officers and their jobs great stuff but like this is a little bit anonymous and it's a little bit too satisfied with its own humour. It's very buddy-buddy and mm. I don't think that's the time we need. But we have to remember the police don't have, as Nick said, they're human and they don't have an easy job. Uh, and that actually takes us to our next little, little mini <laughs> section here because I think we found the hardest crime to solve in German history. And this happened at Wacken. Uh, and Wacken is, of course, a, a very large heavy metal um, music festival that's very popular with their metal kids with their long hair and tattoos and a tank uh, a panzer uh, was damaged uh, a vacan with a lush and lager uh, which i think is a fire extinguisher yeah they have foyer lusher which is the red tank so i don't know if lush and lager is like a hose or something but anyway an unbekannter an unknown individual fired at the tank with the Luschanlage, the fire extinguisher, and damaged the tank. So I think we already know that German tanks aren't up to much if they're being damaged by fire extinguishers. Um, but what makes this amazing and very, very hard to <laughs> to solve is that there is a, a description of the offender, uh, which is 1.85 metres tall, European-looking, uh, black vacuum T-shirt, shorts, sunglasses and a motorhead cap which i think describes a good 60 percent of those in attendance at the vacuum festival yeah it wasn't the greatest description there was a tongue-in-cheek thing in taz talking about this saying like police are now looking for the perpetrator and they were able to describe a member of the group that were involved in this incident to the bundesvier and yeah the description was this black top and they said that the black top won't really contribute much to the search. Because <laughs> it's just like everyone's wearing black. And he had mirrored sunglasses. And I was like, yep, that's everyone. Yeah, that's, that's, that's everyone. Um, he's wearing shorts. Yep, that's everyone. Yep. Um, it was hot. It was hot. Exactly. <laughs> it was hot. Vacuum. 
Well, actually, I mean, the, the incident itself is quite funny. I mean, first off, Vakin isn't known for its necessarily overt militarism, but apparently there was a Bundeswehr tank there hoping to recruit people who are enjoying Vakin. Yeah. I can't think... Yeah, I know that all their music is very blood and thunder, but if you ever meet a metaler, they're rarely the people who want to grab a gun and go fight on the front lines. Uh, they're much more peace-loving than, uh, than maybe the imagery of their music suggests. Mm-hmm. The other side of it was that... It was a group of people around about 3.40 in, in the afternoon got access to the, the tank. And you, you asked about the, the extinguisher system. It's not a normal ing- extinguisher system, as you can imagine, inside a tank. It's quite a bit more advanced than that. And it's, the, it's like a halon extinguishing system, which is like loads okay. of different canisters connected together. So it, it fills the inside of the tank with foams to extinguish any fire inside the the turret inside the the body of the tank so when that goes off it just damages everything because it's just water damage straight away um, or foam damage and everything on all this computer systems but equally like you've got a freaking tank and you've got a load of pissed up metalers did you not think about maybe locking it and making sure no one can get in (laughs) like i would have given it a crack and i'm a peace loving person i'm like oh god (laughs) let's even get in that tank so um, 15,000 euros worth of damage, apparently, all in all. Uh. And this person who perpetrated the crime will forever be at large. I don't ever see a, a chance of them ever being caught. So well, I don't know. Let's, 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 we'll, we'll put it out to our listeners. If you've seen someone's 185 tall, white uh, or European looking, black back and t-shirt and uh, motorhead cap, Call the police. Yeah. There's 15 grand in it. Yeah, yeah. let Polizei Middlefranken know they can write a snarky tweet about it. <laughs> We're on our way to calm down the situation, lads. <laughs> so over the weekend, I was reminded, uh, as was Simon, he was reminded of something that, when he's little known facts about the country we've decided to call home. And it comes from historian, author, Katja Hoyer, uh, who wrote a tweet about Das Grüne Band in Germany. And this is uh, the Green Belt in Germany. The tweet read, From death strip to safe haven, Das Grüne Band, Germany's Green Belt. During the Cold War, the 870-mile border network between East and West Germany was inaccessible, so around 1,200 endangered species moved in. Most of it is now a protected nature reserve. So what Katja's is pointing to is this Greenbelt that runs the length and breadth of Germany, essentially covering what was the no man's land between West and East Germany during the Cold War. And it's this, yeah, thin strip of green uh, nature reserve that has come about since the wall came down on the initiative of groups like the Bund Naturschutz, uh, the various Bund Naturschutzes, in, in this case Bayern, but all across the country, because it spans many different states. And so you have this thin strip of preserved land that not only preserves this this natural wonder, but also the it's like a weird memorial to the mm. to the to the dividing line between the DDR and and West Germany. Did you know a lot about this before before we uh, we started looking into it? No, no, this this was new. I mean, it, it, when I saw it, it made sense. Of course, that the east west divide had to exist all the way along those borders. So yeah, it sort of goes in between Schleswig-Holstein and Mecklenburg-Vorpommern in the north, and Niedersachsen and Sachsen-Anhalt, uh, Thuringen and Hessen, uh, all the way down to a, a small piece of Sachsen in the corner there, and also Bayern. Yeah, and so as as Nick said, it does cover a huge section uh, of the country, and yeah, it's kind of wonderful to find out that this is this has become like a haven mm-hmm. for all these animal species that are, that are protected and need somewhere safe to avoid being bulldozed into oblivion or or losing the habitat. There's also a cycle path yeah. that you can like cycle the the, the Gruner Bender, and I think that's also pretty cool. Uh, so yes, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. The green belt itself is around one thousand four hundred kilometers long, and it covers an area of one hundred seventy-seven square kilometers. Yeah, massive. And apparently, one hundred forty-six different biotope types can be identified there, which is quite a wild collection, as you can imagine. Almost two-thirds of the area of this green belt is on what they call the Rota Lista of endangered biotopes. So we've got a lot of endangered species being protected there. The whole thing crosses 17 natural areas and connects various habitats across nine federal states that are not necessarily connected. So you get quite a diverse range of environments from north to south, as you'd imagine. 
Uh, there's 5,000 animals and plant species in this green belt, and more than 1,200 of them are on this endangered list, this rotor list, rotor list tumulide. So, yeah, it's a real important piece of German conservation. And yeah. I, I really like the aspect of it's turned something highly negative into something really positive. It's something very German about that, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a beautiful result of what was... Yeah, literally the most divisive thing in the nation. Uh, and now it's a real haven that will stay protected forever. And that's absolutely fantastic. And Germany is a very green country, both politically and in terms of environmental protection, animal protection. And so we have some interesting facts about species protection. So yeah, uh, in Germany, there are about 48,000 animal species. That is, of course, a huge amount, 10,300 plant species, 14,400 mushroom varieties. There's a lot to protect uh, within these regions. And 35% of native animal species and 26% of plant species are endangered. So yeah, that's a pretty alarming uh, fact that a third of native animal species are in danger. And of course, the main reason for this is agriculture. Vast swathes of Germany are devoted to agriculture, about 50% of the country. And so having places like the Grunus Band, which will never be used for agriculture, mean that there is somewhere where plants and insects and animals will never come under threat of having their territories taken from them uh, for the use of agriculture. So yeah, Germany is very, very committed to greater and greater uh, species protection. Uh, so now there are about just over 8,000 conservation areas uh, within Germany, uh, covering over 2.6 million hectares. Uh, and that means about 6.3% uh, of Germany uh, total landmass is protected which isn't that much, really, 6% to be protected. Uh, I think there's room for more there, don't you think? Yeah, so, I mean, 35% of the native animal species being endangered seems a bit wild, right? It's like, mm. you wouldn't have thought of that. But then when you look at the kinds of things that are endangered, you begin to understand, like, the, the real situation it isn't like it isn't the pandas put it that way right it isn't the, <laughs> isn't the wolves no, no. it's it's that, insect yeah. life and bird life and things that are actually quite important that maybe go unnoticed so it's those kinds of things that are quite important well, i mean of course there is there's a global crisis when it comes to insect population at the moment and the report from last year showed that uh insect life had decreased by 77 percent uh, in germany in the past 30 years and that's really, really terrifying because, of course, of that number of flying insects, a lot of them are responsible for pollination. And without flying insects pollinating trees and plants, we're not going to have good crop yields without them being effectively artificially is inseminated the right word for what you do to a plant. I don't know. But yeah, it's not great for agriculture. Um, to not have all these flying insects so yeah th there need to be things done and of course germany has led the way in the protection of bees uh, of course a really integral part of our ecosystems as people um, so yeah the protection of bees and things and other flying insects is also key uh, so yeah germany is definitely moving in the right direction but there are of course animals that are quite hard to protect mm. uh, sea eagles black storks and seals and you can't protect with a green band uh, of grass on what was the border between them, uh, the east and the west. So there has to be strong species protection measures um, implemented and continue to be implemented in Germany because Germany is working hard. And yeah, we've seen, we've talked about before, the reintegration of wolves, uh, 128 wolf packs uh, around Germany. And of course, there's positives and negatives on both sides of the argument of this kind of rewilding but it's definitely moving in the right direction in terms of the protection of what are endangered and highly valuable species yeah i was thinking about the the black stalks i can't speak specifically to the black stalks but i know that stalks are very well protected and there's a lot of places and villages and towns that have on a lot of the tallest buildings or they'll build them mm. purposefully they'll build stork nesting sites so there's like one in the town hall right at the top there's a stork nesting area and, and on some of the older uh, smokestacks and i think they see them in villages a lot so i know certainly around bavaria a lot of integration of quite uh, useful 
environmental protections within the buildings that are in the in the village or town so i think that's quite a good thing i'm not again like sure about black stalks but i know for the, certainly for the situation with regards to um bavaria but the other side of it is that and it points to this when it's talking about sea eagles and and seals just how far this this green belt stretches when mm -hmm. you think about the in the north of the country to the south of the country you've got this wide variety you've got a lot more wolves north of the country although i was speaking to a student last week who was talking about having to keep all the pets inside because there's a wolf mm. in the woods of their village and she lives two villages away okay so yeah. a little bit concerning but um <laughs> I'll, i'm not wearing my red hood anywhere so I should be fine. <laughs> I think it's good that they're committed to it. I think it's a really interesting way of protecting not only the environment, but also a little bit of, of German history in a really positive mm -hmm. way. So, yeah, I'm just thinking it would make a really good walk, right? It would be a, a beautiful experience, I think, yeah. The balance of history and nature. Yeah, uh, yeah. east meets west. I think it's, it's fascinating, absolutely. I'll get my Adelettin then. Yeah, yeah, you need your Adelettin and be prepared to spend 100 euros on a hostel and you'll be fine. Well, I'm not sure I'll go that far. I might have to go home after after a few minutes. Um, okay. <laughs> Hello zusammen. Servusla. That brings us to the end of the show. We're off to go boo to the police and parents who grass on their kids. Boo, boo, boo I tell you. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not give us a rating on iTunes? It only takes a minute and can really help us out. Chuck some stars at us on Spotify. And if you feel inclined, feel free to retweet us, share a link, or post with the hashtag Home or lowercase on Twitter or Instagram. You can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com forward slash Home and contributing to keep this boat afloat. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at Decades From Home, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on 40%German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%German.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss! Tschüssikowski, ne? No?